here. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? If you like our content, remember to like and subscribe. We will greatly appreciate if you can give us your support for our channel to share topics that you like to hear. So drop your ideas down below in the comment section uh, if you like to hear um, any interesting topics. So uh, for today, we will talk about free markets and if true markets are truly free. So in economics, uh, free market is the ideal state of uh, economic trade where prices of goods and services are freely determined by market forces like uh, supply and demand. So ideally in a case where there's um, no intervention of government and overarching authority. So, so Joan, what is a free market? Okay, so this is a precursor to last week's episode. So many <laughs> in a free market, you want to think about, let's just say, you want to be an artist, you want to be a guy that writes, writes books. And speaking of writing books, my book, The Rogue Capitalist, is finally out for pre-order. If you want to know how to make money, safeguard your liberties, and the winning line of play to safeguard yourself and to ensure that you don't get fleeced by the central planners, or maybe how to outsmart the central planners, then you should probably buy my book. It'll be out on Christmas, but you can pre-order it before Christmas. You can pre-order it for your whole family because I'm looking forward to a nice big bounty for Christmas so that I can spend it on the next book design that I'll have for my fiction novel, which I will cover probably sometime next year. That's one of the grand scheme of things that I've been planning for a very long time. So let's just get back to the topic. What is free markets, right? So let's just put it in this perspective. You want to be a writer and then you look around you. Is there anyone telling you that you can't be a writer? So in the free market sense, it means that you are free to pursue anything that you want. Nobody is there to tell you you can't do whatever you want. But the thing about free markets is that based on history, right? The environment really matters when it comes to the free markets. Because back in the previous episode, I did mention about kingdoms, serfs. Currently, we have government together with workers. It's kind of a very weird oxymoron where Free markets are not really that free and a centrally planned economy isn't really that centrally planned. Because ultimately, when you think about free markets, right, it has always been based on the country's economic scene that exists without intervention. So let's say that you are based in somewhere in Asia. Let's just say that you're in China, for example. So what is China really good at? Before that, they were just mainly a country that is mainly focused on agriculture. Only recently, they started all the technological push, started militarization, their defense industry started popping up. They're really big into real estate where most of the people spend most of their life savings buying into all that stuff. So when you think about the sense, right, it means that the government or the Communist Party in general, they are the one that set the market conditions, the economic situation, and the market just flows from there. It's not really a free market per se because it is centrally planned from the authority body. But what I mean by a free market, right, is actually a very fleeting moment in history. The most common one you can see is back when Singapore was first built up. Back in the 1950s all the way to the 1980s. That was the period where people had to fill in roles that they not necessarily want to fill. They fill it in because there was a demand for it. So let's just say that there isn't really a big government telling that, oh, everyone needs to be a financial analyst and somebody needs to everyone needs to be a banker no that wasn't the case of course the very best those who were educated those families which had money most likely they came from china they came from malaysia they came from indonesia the first few settlers with money of course they will send their kids to become doctors lawyers financial experts and so the market will be filled with people with these kind of professions 
And slowly, we have the few that I would say they don't really qualify to be a financial expert, a legal expert, or a medical expert. So the next, the next file and rank that they will fill up will most likely be construction and engineering. That was the same time in which Singapore started National University of Singapore. It was already existing. Then they had NTU, the Nanyang Technological University, which was, I think it was last time called Nanyang University, right, if I'm not mistaken. Do you remember the old name? No, I cannot remember. I only remember it's NTU. Yeah, it was known as Nanyang University or something. It was mainly the school where if you can't go to NUS, you most likely went to Nanyang University. And most of the things that they studied there were mainly regarding towards the roles that Singapore needed to move the needle, to go to the next step. They started going to the NIE, which is the Education Institute, the Nanyang, Nanyang Institute of Education. And then they went into engineering school. That was when the polytechnics popped up. Polytechnics in the Singapore sense is a, a bunch of schools that don't really follow the A-level curriculum. It is more of a subject matter expert route that you're going. So instead of going through the A-level route, which is two, more, two years of high school, you go to polytechnic, which is a three-year high school. Upon graduation from polytechnic, you can choose to go into the workforce or you can directly go to university based on the grades that you have. I do know some people who graduate from polytechnic and they immediately start working after completing their national service. And so the main point of polytechnics is to equip people with a more technical overview of their skill set. When it comes to universities or like college, they'll teach you more of a okay, technical route and then there's a specialist route. That's what I'll call it, the specialist route. That means they give you a very high overview. It's more like a manager role. So most likely when you graduate with a degree, you'll be able to lead a team of technicians. So it's in a sense, it's, it's just a repeat of the kingdom, right? There's always the, the ruling class and then there's the nobles followed by the merchants and then the serfs. And so the merchants are basically a degree class and the technicians are the serfs. I just put it so everyone can understand what I'm trying to say. And so in the free market, back then, people fill up roles that they're required to fill based on their qualifications here and there. So let's just say it's an economy that is not centrally planned. It's just a very standard, you know, yeah, just a standard country. Basically, a country which evolved from a shithole into some form of consciousness. Set up the free markets here and there. You want to prosper, right? You want the country to prosper. Most likely, it's a very charismatic leader that shows up. The leader shows up and says, you know what? We're going to build a nation from scratch. We probably need to buck our game. We want to be better than the nearby country that also just finished their, their rule of monarchy. The king got overthrown. Then there's a revolution here and there. So obviously the way forward for a country to build is through free markets. So of course, the ones which are more educated or I would say more smart, they most likely fill the ranks which they will be the governing body in the beginning. And then followed by, you need people who will be running the fiscal side of it. You most likely set up a bank. God forbid, you might set up MMT in the era. But last time there was no MMT until John Maynard Keynes shows up and then he tells you about MMT and all that stuff. And then slowly you have Wait, the what's banks. MMT? Modern monetary theory, which is oh, uh, the mantra that is uh, plaguing the world as it seems. But the funny thing about MMT is that, okay, because currently in the world that we exist in, our society has not experienced a world without MMT. Last time, economic progression was very slow. I, I, I might be only in my 20s, about to reach 30s. But I've been reading quite a lot. And it seems as though back in the olden days where technology wasn't that advanced, things were moving incredibly slow. The money supply was growing at a very slow rate. But of course, when we start reading about things like the Roman Empire and all that funny stuff, we start to realize that these countries right, progress very quickly through like wartime budgets here and there because they 
practice something known as fiat currency, which is something that we have. And then they, when they use fiat currency, the problem with fiat currency is that it's not backed. So that means that the government can easily call it legal tender. And then they can just print as much as they want. So in the case last time, they didn't really use coins. They use, uh, no, they use legal tender, sorry, legal tender notes. They use coins. And so they minted coins, right, which did not really have that much value. So they devalued the currency, right, by putting in very little silver or copper. Mass produce it out. Because they needed to fight wars, they needed to conquer new lands. And so what they did was they inflate their money supply, have a huge military, and pay out these coins to people. So of course, when you raise the demand like that, what happens? Supply is either fixed or it grows very slowly, right? And suddenly, the demand side go all the way to the moon. So that means you can't really match up. And so when the war is over, when they have new lands, of course, you need time to build up the supplies, right? You're going to build up the agriculture. You're going to bang some girls and have more children here and there. Because that's the whole idea of war, right? The whole reason why people go to war is so that they can conquer lands, slay the, the men or the wives, and then take over the wives and then make them bear children. That's how empires function. Like, like if you think that people just conquer for a sake of conquering, you're wrong. I think the human male drive is to conquer. It's most likely to get more women. Because if you think about it, what the heck will we come conquer for? We got testosterone and we got a ball sack. So obviously we do all this funny stuff. And so let's just get back to the point. So is that back then, right? Even though it wasn't something which many people talk about, which is the MMT, they, they practiced some form of MMT, which was inflating the money supply. But MMT is crazy. MMT is basically right, fractional reserve banking. So let's say the bank has a dollar, right? They can loan up up to $10 of it. So they just create $9 out of nowhere. So let's say there's a bank run because there's too much money in supply. So the big reason why I see a lot of countries that expand so quickly and all that, right? It's because they have something known as a central bank. So the central bank can easily inflate and deflate. They can either make the economy boom very fast or they can make it contract even faster. So that's a very weird thing. Because if you don't function, a free market sense, right? means that if they don't have a central bank, right? Things will grow very slowly. So that means a country will become prosperous based on the productive labor of the citizens in it. But the funny thing is that now, right, many people think that we have a free market. Even I can see through it as few that the free markets don't really exist. Even around the world, you look at it. It's like, for example, I went to Turkey on my latest business trip, right? I went to Turkey. Istanbul is a pretty amazing place. I would say... It has the right mix. It feels very, it feels like a very hedonistic, liberal Muslim country. It's very weird. You see the, the Muslim smoking, which is odd because I've, I'm not mistaken, even in Singapore, the Muslims don't smoke that much. If you go to Dubai, you don't see Muslims smoking that much. It's, it, it's weird. It's like, I, I mean, Istanbul, I see girls dressing like Europeans or like Western style dressing. And then there's already a lot of weird, weird social issues here and there. And then you look at the way that the country is operating. There's like sky high inflation, all that things. Like if free markets exist, right? I don't think there will be sky high inflation. And so I look around me and I see all that. Yeah, people, people in my circle are saying, hey, you know what? Johan, time to buy up the real estate in Turkey. It's like dirt cheap right now. You got to get a steal here and that. I think they were right because the investment visa at that point of time was supposed to be 250,000 US dollars. And when the time I left, right? They said that the investment visa went up to 500,000 US dollars. That meant that you could no longer qualify for as an investor just by paying for property 250000 In a span of like two weeks, it changed to 500000 which was probably a move that a lot of smart Westerners have been making, which was buying up Istanbul real estate. And so the funny thing is that when I look around me, even though there was a boom for real estate, which is most likely, I don't think the locals can afford it. It's most likely the foreign, foreign speculators that are buying up the thing. There's a new development called Galataport. 
it's not really new. It's just basically the, the place near the Bosporus. And so Galata Port, right? They were building up infrastructure that reminded me of Singapore. They were building up co-working spaces. They were putting like Tech Hoyer. They were putting McDonald's, KFC, a lot of uh, Turkish restaurants here and there. But the funny thing is that when I look around, right? I, w- I went on a weekday. I went on a weekend. I like to go there in the morning. I go there at night to walk around the nightlife here and there. You know, it's a weird thing. I don't see locals eating there. And the whole point of creating a business, right, is for local economies. So what's the point of opening a business if the locals can't afford it, right? It seems weird. Because in the free market, right, nobody will build stuff for the sake of building. They're building to make money. But the funny thing is that they are building this infrastructure. And the best part was that I found out that it was it was a quasi-public slash private relationship that built up this thing. So that means that, right, without MMT and without all this weird, weird economic way of growing stuff, right, there will be no, all this very crazy expansion, expansionist kind of developments. It's like, for example, look in Singapore, if we were to progress incredibly slowly, right, our progress will most likely be like Malaysia, be like Vietnam, be like Thailand. It will be very, very slow. You won't even see that many investors coming. But that is because we quickly ramp up the supply. I remember back then, what, a, a bowl of fish pond noodles cost, what, three cents or something like that. Now it costs like $3.50. Some cases you have to pay four bucks. That's like how many percent, how many percentage raise. And this shows you, right, that if you think that we have a free market, it's kind of wrong. Because if it really grows slowly, right, maybe the fish pond noodle will cost like 50 cents or a dollar now because the market grows, people's standard of living goes up. Like no doubt Singapore has a very high standard of living. But the thing is that we are very slowly reaching a tipping point where I just think that if we truly have free markets, we wouldn't be feeling this crunch right now. Because even the middle class in Singapore, they can feel it. But the problem is that they are not aware what is a free market. They are not even aware what is economics. It's like they go to, they go to school, JC, you know, JC, you learn economics. You go to university, learn economics. But let me give you a recount of a conversation I had with a boy yesterday. So me and he were sitting there. I asked him a question. What is inflation? You know what he told me? It was, if I have my book right now, I'll tell you. But he, he said along the line that uh, the rising demand cannot, cannot keep up with supply. That was the official narrative. And so that's the funny thing. That's a half truth. It's not wrong, right? It's not wrong. Correct. It's not wrong, right? Rising <laughs> demand cannot keep up with supply. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Of course, makes sense. But there's, there's, there's more, more to it. it. There's more to it. There's more to it. And so I just look at a boy. I was talking to him. And now I told him, inflation is the expansion of the money supply. And he gave me the weird Pikachu face. He didn't even know what his money supply. He just thought that, you know, money falls from the sky. You see, you get it. It's, it's basically the education, right, that is being taught to the children. Like, let's say they go one step forward. And I'm pretty sure this is the scenario where most of these financial experts are. Because like I mentioned, most of the financial experts, right, most of the good families, those who come from proper backgrounds or that, their kids don't study software engineering or IT or technology. They're, they're freaking in financial markets. They're the ones starting companies because they, are, they know how money works. Like in some cases, they, they become a doctor, become a lawyer. But you see, it's always financial experts. They're always in financials. And so these guys know that inflation is expression of money supply. But you don't see them going around telling about it other than on this podcast where we are freely telling you that inflation is the expression of money supply. And before you get to the next topic, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. I'll be trying that out, man. Let me know, guys, in the comment section whether that sounds good. 
<laughs> Sounds awesome to me. <laughs> yeah. So moving on to the next topic. So um, if you think about instances, right? So was there really um instances where there was uh, intervention from third parties? Then if there's always a market intervention by someone else, then uh, there isn't really a true case of a free market, right? Then in that case, what can we call this market? And uh, what's really needed for free markets to actually thrive? Okay, here's a funny quote from a book I read. It's a book about why I should buy gold, something along that line. <laughs> this line is so funny that whenever I read this book, I can't just, no, whenever I think about free markets, this is the first thing that comes to my mind. So the author said, the markets are free for as long as you're winning. <laughs> so it's, it's also another half-truth. You think about free market economy, right? let's say it's a capitalism is at its finest. In fact, I know some friends who really, really, really hate capitalism. They are so in it towards central planning. They really want socialism. They are, they are literally Karl Marx fanboys or whatever you call it. They, they read uh, Adolf Hitler and all that funny stuff. And so the thing is about free markets is uh, it's a very weird scenario. Let's just say that Arnold, you are an entrepreneur. Uh, let's say you are the big gangster of Singapore. You own literally half the money supply. Let's say if your country, if your if your if your business goes bust, right, then the country probably goes bust together. And in a sense, right, you think it's a free market. You're most likely going to write a book and say, oh, I'm a, I'm a free market economist. It's because of the free markets that my business is able to grow to, uh, I don't know, God knows how much revenue a year. My profit margin is uh, 20, 30% despite paying off everyone bonuses. Of course, you're going to say that we live in a free market, right? But then in another point of view, let's say you have uh, Angry Sam. Sam is your enemy. Sam is your direct competitor. He's the guy that is your college classmate, right? And let's just say that you are running a semiconductor business, right? Oh, no, you're a semiconductor entrepreneur. You made it big. You make billions. You have like 100 girlfriends and all that nonsense. And then Sam over there, is, he's still running a small business. He probably only has like, what, 10 clientele. He still makes a decent living, like a million dollars. But that's like a drop in the pond compared to the billion dollars I have. And so one day, you write a book about free markets and why it's so amazing and why everyone should buy it. It's heavily featured in NTU, NUS, SMU. I don't know what other schools I'm missing. Oh, SUTD, that's where my restaurant is. So, <laughs> so the guys read the book and then all the kids are like, oh my gosh, free market economics, uh, free market capitalism. I can be like, I'm not one day, I can run semiconductor businesses. And then Sam over there, Sam sits in the corner of his fat wife. He looks at his wife and he's thinking, I don't have 100 hot bitches like Arnold has. There's no free markets. I'm getting skewed. Arnold has set up a monopoly and he screwed me over. So, so that, that's the funny thing about free market capitalism, right? There's always a winner and it's always a loser. And for as long as the markets are free, right? You're only winning for as long as it's free. And so the moment you are a small business owner, obviously your, your worldview is warped towards, my gosh, I'm screwed. I, I can't expand it to a certain, a certain limit. The banks refuse to loan me or doesn't want to increase my line of credit. He, he, he just so reluctant. My banker takes like four working days instead of the typical three working days to get back to me. And so, free markets, right, is a very weird thing because a lot of economists that I read, they, they keep talking about free, free markets here and there. They always theorize about a hypothetical future where the markets are free, where people are able to do whatever they want. But we have to understand one thing is that if we allow people to do whatever they want, or if you go through a route where you centrally plan, you know, you have uh, the Singaporean government, for example, and then we have the People's Action Party, we have the grassroots here and there. They're the ones that decide what goes on. 
they meet with business leaders all over the way and decide how the economy flows. So we have two different forms of systems, right? One where it's centrally planned with Lee Sen Long and his team deciding the future of Singapore. And then we have another group, which is, uh, I will say the, the, the Goldbucks, the Goldbergs, the Bitcoin boys, those groups, they are, they are the free market capitalists, right? It's, it's so weird. <laughs> so basically it's one camp that literally wants to steer the direction of the country based on the investment that's coming in. And then we have a group where it's the pro-Bitcoin, the pro-the libertarian boys, those boys that are very, how say, they just love Bitcoin. You know their shirt, I love Bitcoin. You can find it in Miami, Florida every day. They are most likely uh, parting all night long. Hardware wallet, ledger, trezor, here, but Bitcoin's in there. Bitcoin to the moon, the kind of shit they're telling everyone, right? And then they appear on podcasts and say, Bitcoin to the moon. They're busy telling everyone to buy Bitcoin when the price dropped by what? I don't know, 40, 50. I don't know. I think it recently had a pump, right? It now dropped, went back up to 20,000. And so the funny thing is that when it comes to free market capitalism, right? It's very skewed. So let's just say you're a successful entrepreneur. You become very successful. Obviously, you're going to say, oh, it's because of free markets that I succeed. Well, towards another guy, right? He probably thinks, oh, wow. Uh, that guy is, uh, we don't have free markets. It's a monopoly right now. He controls everything. And so, right, we, we, if we really, really, really want to like, make it to the bare minimum level, what is a free market economy? Right? It is an era where there are no public intervention. No public intervention means that anybody has a chance to succeed. That means that the government right, does, does not really take that much investors from overseas. They mainly just focus on the local domestic economy, which is like Japan. But when I quote Japan, right, it's weird because right, Japan also takes foreign money. So in the sense, right, there's no such thing as free markets. Like as much as Frederick Hayek wants to talk about free markets, as much as Milton Friedman wants to talk about free markets, right, we will never have it. Because there's always one guy, there's always one alpha male in a country, or let's say in the USA, an alpha male in China, in Africa. The guy is like oozing charisma. He's like two meters tall. He has business acumen. He gets things done. So he's obviously right, going to get all the business, right? Obviously, people want to work for him. And from there, he builds a monopoly. And most of the jobs that he creates right, is for the public. And then some guy is going to come along and say, oh, wow, this guy is uh, intervening us. It's public intervention. So, so basically, in a sense, right, people's worldview, they are skewed towards right, finding someone to blame. And so when we think about it, right, when we remove government, what's the next thing? What's the next thing that creates an environment where there are no free markets? This is central banks. The, basically, the Bitcoin boys and the the Goldbucks, they, they really dislike central banks. In a sense, like those people like to debate and here and there, they like to mention central banks. Uh, like if I'm not mistaken, there's a guy named George Gammon together with a lawyer. He's the rebel capitalist. So uh, <laughs> his content is he's basically a rebel capitalist. So he's uh, on the forefront trying to make things better for Americans, which is a very humbling effort. But uh, the thing about having a... Uh, central banks, right, is that, right, without it, there is not much expansionist kind of, like, agendas. So that means that, like, from point one that I mentioned, right, the economy will grow very, very slowly. With central banks, it pumps up to the moon. That means there's boom and bust cycles. Many people like to say that central banks are the main reason for a lot of catastrophic things that happen in society. Based on history, it has been right. You see a lot of the Great Depressions, you see a lot of the uh, 2008 financial crisis. Most, re- most recently, you see the COVID crash and how they just print out stimulus checks and bump everything up to the moon. And so and the fun, funny thing is that every country has a central bank. And that means that the government right, has easily 
an unlimited money supply that they can like fire up any moment that they want. And to some people, right, those who are working class, those who are savers, it's a very big problem because that means that the value of their savings is going to drop to the, to the floor. And that means that in an era where we don't have free markets, right? let's say that we have central banks, big government, government deciding where the centrally planned agenda or the economy is moving. That means that if you are an entrepreneur, you can't really say they can embrace free markets anymore. Because the only way for you to be an entrepreneur to actually gain profits and all that, right, is in an environment where the government and central bank exists. And because free markets no longer exist, right, you have to do businesses where what the government decides. So that means that you have to make a biotech firm, you have to start selling plastic burgers, soy lattes, funny, funny stuff. And then when you see at the buy effect, like there's some people who are not very good at transporting. They can't start meatless burgers. They can't start uh, good meat or rainbow fish companies. I just give you some stupid random names. And then you can't start a logi latte, soy forever in a kind of brands. So you're going to see the ripple effects. So that means that in a country where there's going to be rampant inflation because of a central bank policy, you're going to see a lot of boom. That means that prices of things are going to go up. And that's the main reason why we see like a dual income kind of thing. You're going to see males and females working. And somehow the psyche of the nation right now is more towards both parents are working and have to pay a home. Back then, a guy working at McDonald's could easily pay off a home in USA. He could work some, some job in the plant and he, he was able to pay off the house. Houses back then wasn't that expensive. Uh, this is another big rabbit hole that I don't want to get into, which is the public housing thing in Singapore, which I might actually do, but it has to, I have to perfectly control the way that I speak about this because it's a very touchy subject. Because the thing is about most of the population in Singapore has been socially engineered to actually live in a home that they, don't, they do not own. And every time I try to mention to people, they just literally want to scream at me and like rip my head off. They try to tell me, oh, you're just saying this because uh, you live in private housing, that kind of thing. You know, yeah, it's the kind of like uh, crabs in the bucket mentality, which, which I, I understand. The rogue capitalists, let me just tell you what's the mantra for rogue capitalists. I lie in the gray area. Like you look at my picture, it's a green, the gray area. Even though I have the light shining in my face. The way I do things is very, very cynical. I have a very cynical worldview. I don't really care about that much people. I don't really care about a lot of things, but there's only one thing I care about, which is the people who are watching my content. That's the most important. That means that you're investing into what I'm saying. Because ultimately being a rogue capitalist, right? It's only one thing that you have to care about. Your own family and your own country. I'll leave it very ambiguous what, what I mean by that. Yeah, you, you can form your own opinions. What I'm trying to say is that if you want to make money as a capitalist, right? You have to change the way you think. You can't function the same way as a guy that's opening chain restaurants and within a second, oh, brand new restrictions, climate lockdowns. Sorry, you can't operate a store. Uh, you still have to pay rent, get lost. It's like most people are not aware of the changes that are coming in like six, seven years time. It's very scary. And so that means, right, all, the, all these things that I mentioned, climate lockdowns, COVID lockdowns, all these weird, weird economies start popping up. That means that with central banks, right, it's only possible. And when you and all these capitalists, right, all these entrepreneurs who want to operate in the free market, people who want labor in the free market, right, there's only a couple of things that they can do. If they want to be an entrepreneur without first-hand information, right, what do they do? They sit back and start to see trends. But most people are too, I don't want to say stupid or dumb. That's a very 
bad way of saying it. Let's just say they're not aware of the things that happen in society. And so let's just see, I'll give you an example, okay? I'll give you an example. Let's say we are living in a first society where both the men and women are working. For me, I, I enjoy going to Katong on a weekend. Katong is basically the hipster, I'll say the more upscale neighborhood in the east side of Singapore. So let's just say it's like the uh, Omotesando of Japan, Tokyo, Tokyo, Japan. Omotesando, if you don't know what I'm saying about, you most probably didn't explore Japan as much as I thought. It's something like Fifth Avenue in New York. So I like to go Katong. And the one thing I noticed is girls wearing yoga pants, right? Girls wearing yoga pants. That's why I made a very good call buying Lululemon stock a very long time ago. And it literally went to the moon before I sold it. And so let's just say you're an entrepreneur. You can, you can understand market trends. So what do you do? You look, oh, Lululemon. Man, these girls, they aren't getting married. They are like having different boyfriends every week. Maybe if I want to be an entrepreneur, what do I start? I start a clothing brand, of course. So you start to see Sheen. You see fast fashion. It's like you see, uh, what was that brand called? Zara, Zara, Uniqlo, these guys pivoted, man, fast fashion because they know that they're living in an environment where women are working. And when women are working, right, when women work, right, the whole point of a man working, right, is, is to freaking feed his wife. And now that the, that the woman is working, right, they can take care of themselves. And I wouldn't want to say that women don't have foresight towards the future, but women are very emotionally drawn. They easily spend. And so when you give them an option to spend, you freaking spend it. And so a smart entrepreneur, the rogue capitalist, he sits at Katong sipping his latte and he notices, man, freaking yoga pants everywhere. New sports, bro. You know what? I'm going to call my homie. Let's start a yoga pants company or something. Something they can easily fast fashion and sell. So that's basically the secondhand entrepreneur effect. That means that right, if you don't know what the trend of the country is going towards, the only other way right, to operate in a free market right, is to understand trends and then start businesses based on that. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel. <laughs> Yeah, subscribe to the channel. So if you look at uh, how markets evolve throughout history uh, up to where we are today, so when the free market actually fails to protect consumers, uh, that's when uh, government regulation is required. Is required. So throughout this uh, evolution, so people are uh, um, how how are actually people um conditioned to embrace the future of uh, centrally planned economies? Okay, I understand that we're really running out of time. So I like to get this very very short and sweet. You so you get the point. It all started from primary school. Do you remember the days? The three R's. Recycling, oh, yeah. reuse, reduce. Nobody cared. Right? No one cared. I was in primary school. I didn't even give a shit. What the hell is three R's? I don't care. I'm going to drink my... <laughs> what did I drink last time? My Milo packet. Milo. I'm going to yeah. throw it away. Oh, I drink my 100 plus bottle. I throw it away. I'm not going to recycle it. No one gives a shit. Actually, I'm not allowed to say shit that much, but you know what? Whatever. And then next point. Fast forward. Secondary school. Freaking recycling bins everywhere, man. What the heck? Like, no one called for it. I'm pretty sure the free markets didn't design it. It's probably some some do-gooder. Some uh, some guy in some uh, <laughs> public centrally planned uh, agency. Some stat board. He's like, you know what? I want to tree eye it up. I want everyone to tree eye it up. And then you start to see people subconsciously starting tossing their aluminum cans. They start throwing their plastic bottles. They start throwing their condom stuff inside there. I don't know why they even throw it there. And then they do a lot of weird stuff. They toss everything to the recycling bin. And then at that point of time, I remember standing at the staircase of my school. Then I looked at the recycling bin. Now I was thinking, man, the recycling bin is steel in color, silver in color. Freaking heck, the recycling is blue in color. So it's like some kind of psychological effect that they're playing in you to make you recycle. Fast forward to this era. 
university ended, I really started work. I'm an entrepreneur, blah, 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 whatever you can call it. I'm a free market capitalist. Like all these economists say, right? yeah, it's, <laughs> it's them free, it's them free. Okay, so you look around you. My gosh, I talked to a kid. Hey, what's the one thing that's plaguing you right now? I go to YCS, Youth Course Singapore. I, went, I go volunteering. Every single event is something related to sustainability, climate change, saving the earth. What else? And yeah, any, any, any other slogan I'm missing? <laughs> uh, Let's go green! Or some shit, right? Okay. Yeah. Something along that lines. Yeah. Uh, bring your own cup. Bring your own plastic bag. I'm going to charge you 10 cents for plastic bag. And then, and then we, we went to the push. And then I started to let it. I rub my eye. I let me put on my spectacle again. Now, like, what the? It's barely been 10 years and this campaign has rallied all the way to mass capacity where everyone is talking about it. Every single kid I'm talking to tells me, climate change, climate change. I turn on TV, climate change, climate change. And then I go to take a public transport. I don't know why I still take public transport. Occasionally when I do, because I don't really take public transport that much. I look at the freaking posters in the train. Net zero, climate change. By two zero, don't know what we are gonna go green. Yes, G. Yes, G. So, so whatever you call it. And then I, I walk around. I look at. I walk on the streets. I go to the city center. I go to the town center. Yo, Tesla man, Elon Musk, Dogecoin on it stuff. And then, okay, here's the funny thing. When you hear Tesla, right? When you, when you hear the Tesla move, right? What do you hear? You don't even hear anything. It's like. Mm. So when you hear a gas guzzler, you can hear like. Vroom, 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 that's a freaking gas sound. That's why it's a very haunting sound. Whenever I hear EV moving, like BYD, I hear Tesla. What else? Uh, is there any other electronic car in Singapore other than NIO, which I believe is not out yet? Blue car, Blue SG. Yeah, Blue SG. <laughs> electric also. Yeah, those, those cars that don't make sounds. So what I'm trying to tell you is that what is going to be needed to condition people to a centrally planned agenda, to an economy where it's centrally planned, because you think about it, right? Central intervention doesn't work. Central planning economies never work. Free market capitalism doesn't work. So what do you need to do? Let's say you are NLP specialist. You are behavioral psychologist. You'll be employed by, <laughs> by the state to do justice. You are employed by the United Nations, by the World Economic Forum. You then you get funding, you get like 10 million funding, 100 million funding, which is printed by the central banks. So what are you gonna do? You start a net zero company and then you start preaching to the choir about all the sustainable things that you want to achieve. And the problem is that the kids don't believe it. My, my generation, your generation probably doesn't believe it. But now, the youths believe it. Everything they say, climate change, net zero, let's go, woo, world is ending. And so you start to see, right, the key to a centrally planned economy, right, is the manufacturing of consent. It is to manipulate or to change the way that humans think. Because right now, right, the only thing that matters, right, to everyone is climate change. It's about net zero futures, about going green. You don't hear people talking about the dreams that they have. You don't hear them talking about, I want to be the next Brock Lesnar. You don't hear them saying, I want to be Hugh Jackman next time. I want to start as the Wolverine. I, don't, I want to be the next Wolverine. You don't hear someone suddenly saying, I want to be the next Din Tai Fung. You don't hear some guy appearing and say, oh, I want to be the next Jackie Chan. I want to be the martial art king. You don't hear any of that. All you hear now are the whispers, the lamentations of all the children telling you climate change. It's somehow they all sound like that. It's like they drink too much soy lattes and they start to tell you about go green, climate change, net zero, all that. So what is needed 
to actually create a future of centrally planned economies where free markets officially die off, where people are totally oblivious to the surroundings and all that. The missing link is none other than a rallying cry for the population or for the world to rally behind. And for this centrally planned economy to come into fruition, which is going to come, you can't derail it, it's happening. EVs, all that nonsense, mining capacities have been reached, they're trying to dig up lithium, cobalt, iron, all that nonsense to build up a thing. Industrial demand for silver is probably going to be wiped out very soon. It's not enough demand. So the rallying cry is climate change. And organizations in the world are really set up. They're really set up to the brink to actually capitalize on this thing. They've really changed the psyche of the world. They have made the youth thing. In America, you hear everyone talk about climate change. In Europe, climate change, Greta Thunberg. Oh, you, how dare you? And then you go to Singapore, you see everyone talking about climate change. All the greenies, all the climate warriors are busy telling you about climate change. You go to every single country in the world, it's all about climate change. And that's why I just give you a precursor, man. It's going to happen, no matter what you like it. You're going to eat plastic burgers. You're going to own nothing and be happy. And that's the reason why you should buy the road capitalist. You should pre-order the book. The link is in the description. I go into detail what is going to happen in the future. A future where it's go green, it's climate change. The end game, the end game scenario, what's going to happen? A future, is it a dystopia or is it paradise? It's hard to say. To some, H.G. Wells might think it's a paradise. But to many, to the libertarian, to the Bitcoin boys, it might be a nightmare. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Yes, so we have a minute before a big, big goodbye. We have a favor to ask of you to support our channel. Just right below, hit that like and subscribe button. See you guys in the next episode.